Welcome to the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast, a show designed for brand new sales reps working in the world of tech sales. I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and I'm going to be taking you on a journey on the SDR Disco Call vidcast and podcast. Did you know that you can watch this show live with the guests on YouTube? This show is available on YouTube at happyselling.io. Hello listeners and watchers, welcome to another chapter of the SDR Disco Call Show. If this is your first time joining and you're wondering what is this all about, this is a show designed for brand new sales development reps that are working in the world of tech sales. And I'm your host, Neil Buyan, and my job is to find great SDRs from around the world, ask them how did they get into this career, kind of what have they experienced, and you know, what tips can they give to our listeners that are also starting out or currently working in this journey and my job is just to host it and to bring you some great guests like we have today um so with this guest this was somebody that was highly recommended to me by a previous guest called molly and molly said you really need to get in touch with this person and get them on the show and i was like you know what molly i've been having this person on my target for a while and yes let's get it down so we connected and you know we had a great chat and here we are today but yes could you please introduce yourself who are you Hi, um, my name's Lucy Obertelli, um, and I'm an SDR at Alego. Welcome, Lucy, to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on board. Um, and Lucy, for our guests and listeners out there, could you tell us, like, where are you based in the world? Uh, what do you currently do? And with Alego, what do they do? Amazing. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for having me. First off, Neil, um, pleasure to be here. Um, so I'm currently based in gorgeous sunny Manchester as of today, um, not typically, um, <laughs> um, and I work for a company called Allego. So in brief, um, and I'm sure as we all know, the modern day salesperson needs a lot more to be successful. So they need to be knowledgeable in their product, in their market, their competitors. Um, and I guess that's not just when they're onboarding, that's throughout an ongoing basis. Um, as well as that, they need to create meaningful um, journeys for their buyers and they also need to be coached consistently. Um, so effectively, Allego is a all-encompassing sales enablement platform that gives the modern salesperson everything they need to be successful, um, we like to think. So that's effectively what Allego do. I love that. And so confidently said. <laughs> and I think uh, Mr. Beals and Mark and the crew would absolutely love it because... Alego was another company uh, under a different name before. What was that company? Yeah, so we were formally Refract, um, and then we were acquired um, in 2020 by, uh, yeah, end of 2020 um, by Alego. Um, so, yeah, so we're now fully-fledged part of the Alego fam. So <laughs> Love it. Big fan of Refract back in the day in the early days and Alego with the acquisition. So congrats to all of you guys and girls Thank out so there. Much. So as a gentle reminder for our listeners and watchers, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform such as Spotify or Apple, please give us a rating and subscribe so that our show can be heard by others out there. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure that you like, comment and subscribe. And if you love Lucy's chat today, please leave some comments in the section below. But Lucy, like I, with all guests, I always like to know, you know, outside of sales and being an SDR, what things do you like to get up to, Lucy? Um... Yeah, it's always a, a good question. I think my um, aim for 2023 is to get a better answer to this question because it's kind of just the typical stuff. It's um, 
going out with my friends, it's um, probably too much bottomless brunching, um, <laughs> like eating in nice restaurants. And I guess with all of that comes obviously staying fit and things like that. So going to the gym and then I kind of got a bit of a love for the theatre. I did politics Ooh. at university. So Ooh. I still keep my eye on that from um, from time to time. And that's that's probably me in a nutshell there when um, I guess outside of SDR and what I'm into. Oh, and I'm also a big Manchester United fan. I probably should mention that now. <laughs> I've learned a hell of a lot about you there, Lucy. Thanks so much. So <laughs> theatre and politics. What was what was the, the background there, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I think I like started doing theatre and dance from like being about two and kind of just loved it throughout my growing up and I think actually theatre as and like having a bit like of a drama background has really mm -hmm. helped in this role and being an SDR more than anything um I guess you wear multiple hats multiple mm. days so um but then politics was just something that I just really came about I guess being aware is of something that's really important to me and then yep. yeah I obviously went on to study at university and did it for three years and then decided that politics wasn't for me and, and mm. there was no other career for me but sales. <laughs> I guess that's why we're here now. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you know what, you're right. Um, I've had guests on the past that have studied drama as well and you're right, being like an SCI, it a, it's a performance, right? Yeah. You have uh, an audience in front of you where you'll be having to talk to different people in different ways and different personas and be able to capture their attention. Uh, I definitely think that Sales is one of the greatest shows ever. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> yeah. a bit cheesy. Yeah, it's, it's something that I love and it's great to hear that other people are getting into this as well. All right. So again, for our watchers, if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, what you know we typically do at this point is we like to share our screen because we'd love to visit Lucy's LinkedIn profile. And as a general reminder, with all of our guests, uh, we'll be putting their LinkedIn URLs in the show notes. So if you want to connect with them, pick their brains or ask any questions, feel free to do so. But Lucy, you're somebody who is quite active on LinkedIn and I've come across a lot of your posts, hence why I've had you in my sites and trying to get you on this show for quite a while. And now we're here. Um, and I do want to kind of talk about that um, a little later on. But looking at your experiences, like we can see that You've worked in the, the world of recruitment with This Is Prime, and I think that's kind of where you met um, Molly as well back in the day, right? Yes, it was. Um, you've been an SDR at Aircall. You've been an SDR at Nevo. Again, SDR at Refract. Currently, an SDR mentor at Trainer, and I know those guys as well, so I'd love to learn a bit more about that. But, you know, all in all, for the last year and a half, you've been an SDR at the company at Lego as well. So I'd love to know, you know, in your own words, could you walk us through, like, you know, leaving uni and you know politics and drama and then kind of going into the world of recruitment like how did things kick off to you and how did you get to like where you are today Lucy? 100% um yeah it's kind of going a bit down memory lane here but um I as I say I left university I went to the University of Sheffield sorry we'll start there um in the end of my first year I did what I like to call as my first um sales pitch was which was basically convincing my faculty at university that I should do my year abroad a year early to mm. be in the States for the Trump and Clinton election. So that was effectively my first sales pitch. Um, but yeah, I loved my degree. I love politics, as I say, but I think I just decided ultimately it wasn't wasn't for me um, mm. as a career. Um, and then something that I always say that I'm going to trademark this one day, but I came out of university and fell into like what I call like the adulting abyss, like where you just Ooh. have absolutely no clue what you want to do. And I think like you go to school and then you're told you need to go to college and then you're told you need to go to university mm. and then you get to the end of that and you're like, 
okay, well, now there's so many things I can go and do. Yeah. And I don't know where to start. Um, so naturally, I started by going getting a job in a pub. Um, and that's where I initially met Molly, um, mm. who is fabulous and is a fabulous SDR. Whoop, whoop. Um, and we, yeah, we worked together in this pub. And then I think something just kind of was like, I want to get into the the big bad world of sales. My mum's always been in sales. My mm. brother was working in sales at the time. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to apply for a sales job. Um, and so I applied for a sales job that this is prime we're advertising. Yeah. Um, so it had like every buzzword in it under the sun, like <laughs> yeah. advertising, sales, uh, dog in the office, pool tables, whatever. Yeah. Um, and went for an interview and then basically just ended up really liking the recruitment team and kind of what they were offering. And in terms of they were helping uh, graduates like myself get into sales roles. So it mm. kind of just felt like I could relate to that journey. I could relate to kind of, I guess, the place where they were in their life. And it just made, it made sense to to join this team. And I had a great, like, 18 months in recruitment. Mm. Um, and I'm not even sure if Molly really knows this, but part of Molly's interview process when she kind of joined, uh, came to me and said, I'm looking for a job in sales. I was like, this is a win-win. Help yeah. out a friend, get a bit of cash. Uh, this is this is great. Yeah. Um, part of the, like interview process was writing a prospecting email mm. and it was something which was completely sort of like something molly had never done before which is absolutely fair enough and it's something that hadn't really been a stage in any of the previous interview processes but we were kind uh -huh. of like got our heads together started coming up with this email of what we would send to a prospect and i just i remember that being like the catalyst of thinking if i could do this every day mm. i would love it basically mm. um so i guess after that 18 months and uh, in recruitment and and kind of having that that like light bulb moment yeah. that i could actually do this every day i then um yeah decided to get a job um as an sdr at air call so so yeah so it was kind of a a nice step into the sas world in that my brother was already an sdr on the team there so it was uh. like i've got a familiar face I kind of know what they sell already. So I was kind of in a better place and I kind of knew what a lot of his job looked like. And it was cold calling, obviously, which I was used to from recruitment. Yeah. But then it was also like going to events and things like this. And I potentially picked one of the worst times to get a job as an SDR because that was March, 2020. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Um, the P so, word. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I um, not only decided to get an SDR job, but decided to get an SDR job in Paris. Um, so yeah, Aircall was based over in Paris. So kind of packed my bags, did all the farewell parties. I thought, this is it, <laughs> au revoir, off I go. <laughs> and um, yeah, I remember getting on the flight to Paris and this is, this is no joke, there were like five people on this flight and I was like, this is a bit... This is Odd. a bit mad. From Manchester yeah, yeah. to Paris flight, I thought, this is going to be busy. Hmm. Um, five people and then, lo and behold, got there. And the next morning, and as I was meant to go in for my first day, um, national lockdown was <laughs> announced oh, in wow. France. Um, so, yeah, kind of scurried to the office, got my laptop, got a headset, and then, yeah, just onboarded completely remotely. Remotely, yeah. Yeah, um, which obviously now is like, 
very much the norm. Like it's kind Mm-mm. of for a lot of businesses. But at the time it was like, this is this is kind of un- uncharted territory really more than anything. Yeah. Um, so my myself and my brother made the decision to fly back to the UK and to do the sort of, we thought two, three weeks of isolation yeah. and, and with our with our family and in our family home. And um, yeah, kind of did that that few first few months of being an SDR, my first ever SDR role entirely mm. remotely, um, and then sort of yeah had a lot of trials and tribulations in that role to say the mm-hmm. least. Um, yeah. I feel like it was great what we were offering. We were a VoIP phone system, so for a yeah. lot of people, they had phones in the office, so they needed a tool like Aircall to effectively work. So you kind of had that engine. Mm-hmm. I think. My biggest disadvantage was that I didn't have that pipeline. I didn't yeah. have that pipeline of people being familiar with who Aircall were and sort of coming to me. Yeah. Um, so I had months where I really struggled. And I guess going from um, a recruitment office where I'd sit next to my colleagues day in, day yeah. out, and we didn't have anything like call intelligence or even call recording. It was just I'd hear them speaking to people yeah. on the phone. Like that kind of change was was a lot. And I guess I kind of didn't really realize how valuable it was being it actually in the office or mm. being able to review people, not even reviewers formally, just listen to conversations in passing. Mm. Um, so did that for a few months, had like, had good months, had bad months. Um, but then in July, I made the decision to go and act as the world was, getting a bit more normal um, yeah. and life is getting back to some form of normality. I decided to fly out to Paris and kick off Lucy in Paris 2.0, <laughs> um, <laughs> if you will. And yeah, that was that was an interesting month to, to say the least. And it's like one I look back on now very fondly and it was amazing and it was so great to be in the office and speak to people and like kind of get some of the things that I'd maybe missed when yeah. I was totally remote but I yeah I I lived in Paris and I think I think to be honest like it's one of like the biggest challenges that I had to overcome was that I ultimately did this month in Paris and it was amazing but it was also quite a lot of change quite fast it mm. was kind of like language I don't speak or I've mm. got GCSE French in <laughs> I would be in it so not that great French mm. um I had this kind of new job and kind of wasn't having the same success that really I'm the first person now to say comparison is a thief of joy but mm. my brother was like hit the ground running and was mm. always like hitting targets and like I think making the decision and that ultimately I wasn't happy I was missing home I'd been really isolated at home and and kind of had got used to being quite close to my boyfriend for example I decided to leave him in Manchester Mm. and everything changed quite quickly and I think that really affected one my mental health but then that affected my performance and that was something that was was really really challenging um Mm. but ultimately led to my decision to to leave a great company in a gorgeous global city mm. um, to come back to, to working in Manchester at Nevo. Um, so. And if, if, if we pause you there, like, I, I want to definitely continue this and talk about, you know, like where your mind was at when you was making those big decisions. But 
it's it's really cool so far to like hear the story where you know this adulting abyss you know, <laughs> yeah. of trying to figure out okay where like and you're right because and, and I see this with a lot of education systems where we are taught this narrative of you go to school to get these grades in order to get you into the next level of college and then you need to get these qualifications in the order to go to university then after university you must get this nice paying job that has this sort of you know criteria against it and then then what yeah and uh I was I was at a um conference at the O2 Arena yesterday where I got to meet um the founder of Rockefeller Records a guy who found Jay-Z Dame Dash wow and Dame was kind of said like um he's never had a typical nine to five and somebody in the audience asked him he said you know uh you talk about having a vision and like wanting to build stuff and you know forget the nine to five and like but how does somebody do that that you know is told to go to school and you know told that they need to do this and stuff like that like what would you have done if you didn't have that vision or company that you're building is like I don't know and I dread to think but he was just kind of saying like we are always told these things that we need to be doing this but he says for who yeah and we need to find these things that you know build our passion and our fire and you know with your story where it's inspiring where you went to this is prime where you saw this element of recruitment where you saw similar people to yourself coming out of university or graduates that are looking for their career and trying to figure out that step and then helping them with that and then you meet the lovely Molly but you're also then inspired and what i'm trying to get at here is lucy is that as you're experiencing things you're learning things and you're putting yourself out there and trying it out then you're finding that you're actually finding joy and this is a point that i try to push towards people that saying i don't know what i want to do with my career i'm like find that stuff that you know ignites you excites yeah. you a little bit and i love your story of you know helping create these prospecting emails and coming to the realization of hey dude if i could do this every day this would be freaking awesome and <laughs> yeah. i'd love to try that out and that's where it kind of takes you onto that journey of you know what i'm going to try this sdr gig thing out and coming on to Aircall, you know great company know them very well as well but i think what was cool is that you had family like your brother yeah doing this thing as well and then taking that again another leap of going towards a life of i'm going to move i'm going to go to paris i'm going to start something out but then you know, this challenge comes along of, hey, the world's just gone into lockdown. What the hell? Yeah. And going through life as a remote onboarded SDR. And a lot of stuff must have been going through your head and thinking like, okay, what's going to happen? And that's the thing that this Dame Dash guy was saying is like, you never know what the hell's going to happen. But if you don't try, you're never going to know. Yeah. Um, but I loved it where you said, you know, comparison is something that will really mess us about. Where as SDRs, we see our peers hitting their target or our brother hitting their target and we're <laughs> yeah. like, we're struggling. Like, And we then can sometimes, it's the self-talk that we have, which relates to mental health, where we can be our own critic. We can talk ourselves out of things with fear um, and trying it all out. But then, you know, coming back home, like spending time with family, figuring all this out and then taking that another step of okay the world's kind of going back to some sort of normality we're going to go out to paris 2.0 um but then realizing you know this might not be the place that you're at because you like you said you're moving home you're away from your boyfriend you're you're in a company you're trying stuff out and you don't know if you're happy and i think that's a very high level of awareness Lucy, and i'm really proud and happy to hear that where you can recognize in yourself that you know this might not be for me yeah um and then you want to kind of figure out okay maybe nevo is the next step but how were you all internalizing this? How were you able to like check in on yourself and then come to those sort of conclusions of, okay, you need to do something for you? How, how did you get to that? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. And I think it's like, I feel like I'm quite 
good at realizing I've got something good. And I feel mm. like I was like, I'm in Paris. I'm like, my brother lives like in the next Ari Dusmont or whatever, whatever it is. And like, mm. I'm in this really cool SaaS company. And I could appreciate that the context of everything in my life was really good. Mm. Um, but I could tell that I wasn't fully enjoying it, which sounds quite like bizarre, but I think you're having a good, like feeling good in your head is so important to your performance in work, but also like how you are with your friends and things like that. And obviously I was going to Paris and had to form new friendships, had to mm. kind of effectively create a life for myself. And I think I think we're probably, what, 20 minutes into this conversation and we can see that I can talk the back legs of a donkey. And <laughs> I could see myself like not, being that person and not like finding those things quite difficult, which typically I wouldn't. Mm. Um, and I think it's just, you've got to kind of look inward sometimes and be like, well, what what's going on and what do I actually want? And have those like tough conversations with yourself. And it, yeah. it was a lot to give up at the time. Like it was, and I'm very much like, you take the risk or you lose a chance kind of person. And that's mm. how I've always kind of like, which is probably why I'm in sales in a lot of ways. <laughs> it is a big risk. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like sometimes you really just have to go with your gut. Like you've just got to go with your gut. And if it's not working out for you, if you're not happy, no matter if you're in the best situation you could be in, then mm. move and do something that's right for you. Um, that sounded really quite profound. but um... it, it, it is. It, it is really <laughs> profound. I love uh, that you've come out with it, which has then sparked a question in my head, and I'd love to hear your take on it, is happiness in itself. So today is World Mental Health Day. Uh, we're at the beginning of October 2022. Um, and this is a very important day to me because mental health is a big topic and something I'm very passionate about because I've experienced mental health issues in the past and you know, to this day still do. And it's this thing of happiness, and again, I know I keep uh, chiming on about this Dame Dash Rockefeller talk that I went to yesterday, but this guy was kind of saying like, you know, you've got to do the things that you're passionate and happy about and that you love. And if you're not in love with it, then why the hell are you doing it, right? Mm. But the question he was kind of asking us is like how you define happiness. So for some people, it could be in a new career. Happiness could be in a new country. Happiness could be monetary of earning commission. Happiness could be, you know, whatever you want to make it to be but this comparison thing is sometimes we try to make happiness what we think other people think happiness is or how they rate happiness yeah and where you said like you know having those hard conversations with yourself to ask yourself are you happy maybe our guests and listeners are trying to figure out well what is it that makes me happy or how do i define happiness but i'd love to know in your own words lucy like how do you define what happiness is and what does that mean to you it's a it's a big question and um it's a really good question and i think I think happiness for me, and this will look so different for for everyone, is like when you are like the truest version of yourself, like the most mm. unfiltered, this is me as I am. And that's happiness for me in a lot of ways because I feel like I can be a top performer in this role, but I can also be the worst sometimes as well. Mm -hmm. um, and well, way back when and and like I was fortunate to have sort of like those um I guess those terrible times to begin with that I feel like have made me much better now mm. but I feel like happiness for me is just like feeling like you're 
developing, feeling like you're learning and just mm. being the truest version of yourself. And and that's something that kind of takes a while to realise and it's not something that you just instinctively have. I feel like you kind of do have to go through the the peaks and troughs to kind of learn what that is. But I guess ultimately like developing, learning and just being yourself and, and being like unconditionally yourself is like mm. what happiness is to me ultimately i think i love that <laughs> and the, the like the the term unconditionally like um unconditional love i was listening to one of my podcasts today where it said like unconditional love is the love that you have which isn't dependent on a person or a thing or a being it's the love that you feel regardless of a situation and unconditionally loving yourself is knowing what makes you happy what's helping you grow and feeling that sense of you know contentment in the things yeah. that you do and it doesn't have to be dependent on a job or a career or you know where you're at but if you're happy doing those things in those times that's, that's your happiness and 100 percent agree and it's a deep question and i love the fact <laughs> that you went into the ad ad adulting abyss and you're finding yourself that's the cool thing you know i think that's the goal of when you come out of uni or whatever you're doing is to go find yourself that is the coolest journey anyone can have and you're right, there are many a time like when I'm running my own business or I've been in other companies where I'm just like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. <laughs> you know, did you do it for such a long time and you have bad days and you have good days and then sometimes you have something which completely throws you off, hence why I needed to have a break last week because I was just like, I feel so exhausted, I've just been running, running, running and I'm just like, I haven't had any time for myself. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, in a couple of days' time, like doing this podcast recording, this is what's bringing the buzz back, this is bringing the happiness and this is the stuff that I love doing. Um, and then I'm going to go off on a tangent, so I've got to be careful. <laughs> uh, but coming back to yourself, uh, right, so air call, you kind of made this decision and then you're thinking about, okay, let's move on to Nevo. What what happened at that point, Lucy? Yeah, so I um, thought at this point in my life, um, the world's still a bit mad in terms of COVID was still a thing and everything mm. else. So I thought I'm not going to make the move to London. I'm not going to, I'm just going to go back to Manchester and I'm going to, get a flat of my own, my own space. Um, and yeah, I'm going to work for Nevo. And Nevo was great. It was, I'd gone from a company which was, I guess, like thousands of people to basically a company that was like 20, 25 people mm. or something like that. Um, and I was ultimately their first SDR hire. Mm -hmm. They had a couple of account executives and then it was myself as the first SDR. Um, and it's funny, it kind of came about because I had prospected them whilst I was at Aircall. Yeah. Um, and then sort of a conversation came about where they were like, we really liked your approach and da-da-da-da, is that something you could be interested in? And this was sort of like, at the time I ignored it, but then it all kind of aligned and I thought, I've done six months of being an SDR, I can be the first SDR. Like, yeah. um, And I kind of believed in myself, which I think looking back, I'm like, go on girl, like, I'm glad yeah. you went and did Hell that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I joined the, the team and it was a completely different sector. Aircall had a lot of like, well, not familiarity, but more it was selling to salespeople. So mm. kind of familiar ground. Um, Nevo was selling like into financial services and, um, it was something which I'd never done before. And mm. to be honest, that was like a bit of a, that was, that was totally different. And like, I feel like I can really sympathize with like, how tough it can be to prospect in those industries, but it was yeah, something yeah. that I didn't, hadn't really done, or well, I had, hadn't touched before. Mm. Um, and it was great and I really enjoyed it and I learned an awful lot. Um, 
But I think like it even aligns with kind of what I said before about happiness and was the something that I'd noticed was from going to this from this big company to this really small company was that there there was no coaching mechanism mm. in place whatsoever. And that wasn't at anyone's fault. It was just the size of the company at the time. Yeah. Um, and also just like self-reflection was that I hadn't got it all figured out. And not that I think SDRing is something that you ever really have totally figured out. Like mm. I'm still at that point now probably, but um, I kind of needed... I kind of needed one or the other. I either needed to feel really confident in what I was doing and didn't need a coaching mechanism yeah. or I needed to accept that I was needed some coaching and there was a coaching mechanism in place. And unfortunately that I found myself in a situation where neither of those two things were great. I needed mm. developing and I needed the the tools, the time, the kind of like the, I guess, the the leadership in place to 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 be able to do that. And I think because the team was so small, they just weren't, we, that wasn't able to be facilitated, which was absolutely, I knew what I was signing up for. Um, yeah. And like I say, I, I kind of say, give myself kudos now because I did it. But yeah. I think it was also then, and and obviously at this point, Neil, like I'm, I'm thinking, I've worked in recruitment. <laughs> I know the state of my CV and it is not good. <laughs> it's six months here, it's six months there. Um, and then ultimately that led me to the decision to leave and join Refract, uh -huh. which kind of was like perfect in a lot of senses. Like I look back now at that decision to join mm. Refract as like probably one of the best decisions that I've made because mm. it gave me fantastic leadership. Like I can't rave and on, on about um mark rich and Stu enough i even yeah. kept saying to Stu in like my first conversation with him that i was a fan and he was mm. like lucy that's really great but please stop calling yourself a fan <laughs> <laughs> um so like i just really really had followed them for a long time on linkedin i really admired them like i felt like i could learn so much from them the sdr position became available and it was kind of joining with a few more people so there was a bit more of a team yeah Vibe. but it was also um at the time it was well i guess we are still now but it was a fully remote opportunity so i was kind of like i've done now 12 months of being a remote sdr like yeah. i've kind of got this figured out now mm. um well not without his trials and tribulations of course but um yeah. but yeah so i then joined the the refract team which is now the allegro team and yeah um i'm like smiling as i'm talking about it because I'm happy. i feel like it's such a great place to to work and such a great place for things that are really aligned with me in terms of like the importance of development the importance mm. of coaching mechanism the importance of like just being happy and being able to be your authentic self and i think i can do all of those things and um yeah it's i guess that's where i'm sort of up to today <laughs> yeah, i love that and again there's like uh elements in that that i want to kind of like del delve into so like with you know nevo we've we've had a couple of guests on the show where sometimes they've been like to your point the first sdr on the ground for a business where yeah. you know if they worked in a larger organization where there's more of a headcount and then they go into this position and i've been in that position as well where i remember I was working at Zora for three and a half years, like did the SDR bit and uh, as a manager. And then I joined Showpad, which were a smaller company in comparison. 
Um, and kind of when I walked through the door, I realized, okay, they don't have the processes. They don't have everything figured out in salesforce.com. They don't have like a handover sheet for when you book a meeting and hand it over to an account executive. And I was like, and the thing that happened to me was, I was like, well, now I can be the asset because if they haven't done it, I can help them build it because I've learned it from another company. Yeah. And we've had some guests that have, you know, gone in and started stuff from scratch, but then with other guests where this has happened to them before, they need that structure. They need a bit more guidance. They need the the leadership and they need the coaching because, you know, they want to develop and they want to go a certain way. So my question to you, Lucy, would be, imagine you're, you know, another SDR that's currently listening in and stuff like that. And they're kind of on the fence of, well, I want to be autonomous and I want to do my own thing and I want to help build a company, but also I need a bit of structure. Like, how do you think they can find that happy medium? What advice would you give to them? Um, I think... I think the biggest advice like I could give to them in that position would be and probably something that like I guess I probably neglected like myself when I was there is that there there are so many resources for you to learn mm. even if you have to do it off your own accord and it's something that you have to go out and actively find like there are so many blogs there are so many articles there are so many even like great people to follow on LinkedIn where you can learn from even if that that mechanism is not in place right now um where you are like go out and find it and I think that the telling thing is is if if you're that bothered and and if you are sort of like I'm happy where I am I just need to get these things in mm. place then you'll go out and do it mm -hmm. if you're somebody that thinks I can't do this for my I can't save myself yeah. then you'll make the right decision to whether that's move on or whatever. Um, yeah. But I think that can kind of like be the most telling thing is like, where's your motivation to do it? And if you've mm. got it, brilliant, run with it. And there's mm. loads of stuff out there. And um, yeah, you'll I'm sure you'll make it a success. I love that. And that's some great advice. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> and the other point was, uh, you know, whilst you're working at a business and you have a prospect where you know, you're going to end up working with them as well. I think that's another thing. Uh, this is not more of a question, but I think it's something I've recognized because I've done it myself, where for our listeners and watchers, if you're SDRs and you're, you know, you're researching companies and you're prospecting them, and it comes down to what John Barrow says, the give a shit factor. So, you know, sometimes we'll just do prospecting because we want to make the numbers and we want to hit the targets and we want to make commission and we want to look good in this company. When I was an SDR and I used to write my emails, I wanted to become like an enable like a an embodiment of the business that I'm doing as if I was the CEO of that company. Yeah. And I'm trying to get in touch with their CEOs and talk about their business and why I think they're so cool. Um because sometimes I'll be asking myself the question like when I really got on with a prospect and I love them and you know I gave them a good impression as an SDR, I've had feedback of then some people like, no, Neil, we're looking for people like you. Would you ever know anybody that might be like hiring people like you for our company? And sometimes I used to sit there and think, I'd love to work for your company because the amount of research that I did and what I found out about them and I got on with their VPs of sales and stuff like that, it did happen because Zora to Showpad, Showpad was our prospect. And I learned yeah. all about their business. They were working in sales enablement, a space that I love because I helped building out teams. And when my, the VP of sales, who's my mentor now, says, he said, hey, we're looking for account executives. Do you know anybody that would be interested? Like, hey, do be. <laughs> yeah. I want to do it. I want to do that. You know? Um so, like, I really love the fact that, you know, you had this opportunity, like, look at your own prospects. And again, 
maybe you've got some VPs of sales saying, no, don't say this, but look at the <laughs> prospects that you're, look, you're talking to and those are potential opportunities. They're not just your prospects. It could be your future career, right? 100%, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other bit is, you know, like with a frat, like with, with Mark Stewart and like the whole crew, they're great, like with problem prospecting as well. Like I remember in the early days when Refract was coming about, um, I was like, cool, you've got this conversation intelligence and you've got this coaching platform and I was a Refract customer as well. So fully believe it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love the fact that they weren't just providing, you know, a tool, but they were giving so much advice to SDRs, you know, and that's why I reached out to them to get one of your SDRs on the show, like Neil Woodhouse as one of the first ever guests on this show. Wow. Um, but when you're connecting with like, you, you've got this fangirl moment yeah. uh, where Steve's like said, don't call me a fan, but it's really cool to meet your idols and then be able to work with them. What was it like coming into Refract and meeting these guys and, you know, being able to get their time being a remote SDR? I'd love to know that bit. And then the second bit that I'd love to know is what did it feel like as an SDR going through a company that went through like an acquisition where you become a different company? Because not a lot of our SDR listeners may have experienced i've gone through that in other companies but yeah yeah what was it like firstly connecting with your fans or sorry th these idols yeah and getting to be able to work with them and then what did it feel like going through a transition into another company name when you know the acquisition happened 100 percent um i think it'll be so funny if mark stew or rich are listening to this call because they'll be absolutely sending me slap messages like oh i'm your idol am i um, but <laughs> <laughs> but just like i feel like it like Obviously, they've got like fantastic followings. They just released Problem Prospecting. I had literally got it as a Christmas gift from my brother. So that's how like <laughs> that's how entrenched into fangirlhood I was. Um, but it was it was just absolutely like, and I think it's just like obviously, I don't want to sort of say anything negative, but just from going from a an environment where there wasn't any coaching to where these kind of I'm going to call them experts in bunny so I don't get totally ripped to shreds, but like were basically on tap to, to help you was like mm. absolutely incredible. And I feel like the thing is, is that they, for, for people who are so knowledgeable, for so like curious and, and they're constantly developing too, like they're so, there's no ego, like mm. they have, they don't have egos whatsoever. Yeah. And like, the fact that we could get on a call coaching session and Richard Smith, VP of sales, who's got 20 odd thousand followers on LinkedIn would go, I've had this cold call. Would you mind listening, taking a listen to this? So it was yeah. relatively like new SDRs. Like it was just so refreshing, so mm. refreshing. And I kind of think it like, whether this was done subconsciously or, or intentionally, I'm not sure, but I feel like it made everybody like all the SDRs on the team and even the AEs on the team just like just take a breather and just go oh even Rich hasn't got it figured out so mm. how can we expect to be perfect in every single conversation and interaction we're having if the VP still admits that there's things that he could have done differently or there's things yeah. that could have he could have got a better outcome of a call like I feel like that's the biggest that's the biggest thing is that they get down in the trenches and they 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 work incredibly hard um mm. but they are also <laughs> these great great inspirational people so yeah i don't know you've plugged me but if you're not following Sue mark and rich on linkedin then then definitely do 100 <laughs> percent. i'll be putting i'll make sure that our team put some links um to 
uh, their profiles as well. And, you know, Problem Prospecting was the first ever sponsor for this show. And oh, I, I, Yeah. So um, I remember in season, I think it was one or two, uh, but meeting with Mark Stewart um, and Rich as well and seeing them building that company because being totally transparent at one point, I almost started working like with Refract, like we were thinking oh, wow. about a thing of like that, I mean, having a chat with Kevin, but obviously I have this vision of I, I want to build happy selling. So we kind of parked it, but you never know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, big fans of them as well. But um, the other bit was, I remember when, when I caught up with them just before the acquisition was happening, they couldn't say what it fully was or who that company was, but they said they were moving towards like growing and expanding. And being somebody that has been an SDR in a company that's gone IPO, and I've been in companies that have been acquired by other companies, and I know the scares that it can bring, because I think ultimately I was like, am I still going to have my job? Are we still selling the same product? Or, you know, how is this going to work with that company and the parent company and all of this sort of stuff? Yeah. That can be very unnerving for the person that hasn't experienced it before. So I'd love to know, in your own words, what did that feel like going from Refract to then a Lego? And kind of what did you experience and what was going through your mind at the time? Yeah, 100%. So I keep saying 100%. That's definitely a buzzword of mine, so I need to stop that. Um, I... Um, it was, it's been a really great, relatively seamless movement in, in, in all honesty. Um, so when I first like signed my contract, if you will, like we were refracting a Lego company. So the acquisition had already sort of, the initial right. movement had already started making, had made, taken place. Yeah. Um, so for the first few months of the acquisition it was just we were refract in the uk and we were just selling refract and there would kind of be conversations where they would mention or allude to sort of a sales enablement platform and that's maybe then we when we'd get like a us team involved but mm. the uk team were predominantly sort of selling refract and conversation yeah. intelligence um and then came sort of like January of this year and I guess more December last year was when uh, Stu, who was who's my line manager, basically said, we're moving to selling full suite of Lego as of January. Mm. Uh, we have like a plain format. So like myself and another SDR and Stu and another AE, we're selling full suite of Lego. Are, are you kind of, are you kind of up for it? I know. Mm. So I guess it was interesting because I was going from a place of selling conversation intelligence, selling refract, and absolutely loving it, to mm. then moving into selling full suite, which was still, of course, refract, but it was also building new messaging around enablement, changing the call scripts to be more about enablement, like, and also speaking to different prospects. It was from, we used to be just VPs of sales, and it was going to sales enablement leaders, marketing leaders, because mm. the products is now absolutely incredible on, in one note, but also is just so vast, like we can do so much. Um, and that was like a challenge. And I think that was a challenge more because I was coming from a place of comfort, like I'd found mm. my comfort blanket. I loved selling refract. And then it was kind of a bit of change. However, I can safely say like 10 months on, like it was the best thing that that sort of acquisition and that movement and and selling the full suite is just like the the offering that we now have and the value that we have for teams and obviously I don't want to make this too preachy about a Lego but um yeah it's great but the acquisition was was pretty seamless to be honest and um we've got really good collaboration with the US and yeah I guess I guess our mission is now just building that EMEA side of a Lego but um but yeah it's pretty seamless to be honest 
I don't love that. Thank you. <laughs> and like, imagine uh, for a moment, Lucy, you've got a friend that's an SDR. They're working in another company. And you go out to Manchester and you, you know, catch up for drinks and you ask them the question of like, oh, how's that SDR all going? They said, oh, you know, we might be acquired soon or something's going to be happening. And I don't really know how I feel about it because, you know, we're going to have to change the way we go to market. We're going to have to, like you said, change messaging and we're going to be different personas. It's a bit scary. I don't know if I'll yeah. do it. What advice would you give to that, mate? I think <laughs> this is so drinking our own champagne, but it would just be like, leave your hesitations at the door and get yourself listening to the discovery calls and the demos of that new product of that new Mm. tool yeah and listen to them and also like i think the biggest thing for for when you're in that position is listening to like the prospects and their excitement when they pronounce oh they like announce this challenge that they've got and they're really struggling with it and you can say, well, we can help with that. And mm. their excitement that they didn't know that was possible is like second to none. And like, I think that's what makes you kind of leave your worries at the door, as I say, and just think, but yeah, listening to calls, listening to discoveries and demos. I'm sure, Neil, you weren't expecting another answer from um, <laughs> a Reflect, a Lego <laughs> employee. So, <laughs> so yeah. No, I 100% agree. Like, you know, being able to shadow those calls and listen how other people are doing it and then trying to see what synergies do you have with that conversation. You know, for like any SDO, like when you're onboarding, um, listening to your, you know, your colleagues, how they go to market and how they sell. But I think that's a really cool twist where, you know, if you are going to be integrating with a new product, it's learning. Yeah. You know, it's the unknown and it's trying to become familiar with it. And then, you know, the secondary thing I would do from that is then start speaking to those reps up well. You know what, Lucy, when I speak to prospects, this is what they're all hyped about. And this is what really gets them going. I heard you do this in a call. Like, why would you do that? And what's been the typical response? Or, you know, if somebody doesn't agree with that, how do you overcome that? Mm. And the more knowledge you gain, then you can start building up and meshing it together. So, you know, how can I do this? So I think that's definitely some solid advice. And I wouldn't expect any less. (laughs) But um, like the, the last thing that I wanted to kind of ask was, um obviously uh, you've got this title of SDR mentor at Trainio and I just wanted to know like how did that come about and like what does it mean to be an SDR mentor because again I love mentoring SDRs but I'd love to hear it from another mentor yeah uh, I was gonna say 100% um, yeah of course <laughs> so um I um had a conversation um with my my line manager Stuart and he said I'm have you heard of Trainio have you seen Trainio and I feel like you need to be on a completely different sphere of LinkedIn and not on SaaS sales to basically have not seen Trainio because their LinkedIn campaign was phenomenal. Like mm-hmm. it was great. Um, and so I'd obviously sort of seen them and heard of the brand. And um, Stuart basically said, I'm speaking to um, Omar about potentially being a coach there. Would you be interested in being a mentor? Mm-hmm. And and he was like, I'll put in a good word for you, nudge, nudge. So I was like, <laughs> okay, like, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And then I think when I spoke to Omar for the first time and like heard heard their mission in terms of what they were doing, um, it was like kind of a no-brainer. And I feel mm. like because of the the product that I sell in terms of like coaching and, and I guess collaboration more than anything, yeah. it's kind of, I mean... I'd like I sort of keep stressing I'm definitely not the finished article but I feel like coaching is something that's become second nature in mm. my day 
days and weeks and and how I sort of live day to day in terms of um, professionally. So becoming an SDR mentor and being able to help people kickstart their SDR journeys was just like the best opportunity and I've absolutely loved it. And um, yeah, I've done, I guess that's kind of bled through from what we were talking about before. It was kind of people being in the same position as me, helping them get sales jobs. And now it's kind of come full circle a little bit in a lot of ways. Um, I love that. So, so yeah, it, it just made sense. I love it. And like, again, kudos to like Stuart, because, you know, it's not very common for me to hear where SDRs are working in, you know, they'll work one role, work for one company, sell one product, but being, you know, uh, encouraged to do other work outside of their normal field or their normal job and company and helping other people. I think that's freaking amazing. I love yeah. that. So, and the fact that you're able to facilitate that and, you know, do your passion of like you're saying, helping people, because that's ultimately like this whole thing of sales is not just to sell and make money, but it's to help people find solutions or with coaching, with training, with feedback. This is how you help people grow. And if you can help people grow, that brings, that's the happiness that I get. Yeah. You know, that's why I do what I do. And I remember in many a company where <laughs> a VP of sales would be like, so Neil, what motivates you? I'm like, no money. Like, <laughs> why are you working in sales then? And I'm like, because I just love doing things and helping other people. That makes me warm and fuzzy inside. So mm. I freaking love that. And I was, I was also wondering like, you know, as you're saying at the beginning of the show, where your brother was also doing like this SDR gig like is he still in sales and do you still like compare notes and like kind of how, how does that like what, what's going on with him now as well yeah so um Jack is um a BDR manager at Aircall so he's been with them throughout the whole throughout my different job movements he's stayed there um so yeah so he's like in charge of like that BDR function now which is amazing and and yeah we we definitely share notes and um, yeah. see what's working but it is so like great to have I guess my brother and mm. like he's he's obviously my brother but he's also my friend in a lot of ways and yeah. having somebody that really gets it like because obviously I can my mum's obviously not she's worse in sales but it wasn't like SaaS sales or it wasn't yeah. like the kind it was kind of a bit more traditional sales so I can ring her and say like oh somebody's told me to bugger off on a cold call today mm. and my my ego was dented for five minutes and she's like oh bless <laughs> whereas like whereas pizza jack like i can kind of he gets it and he gets the frustration and he's like oh so what have you done about it and like it's mm. yeah it's absolutely invaluable just having somebody that you can bounce off and obviously i work completely remote um as, as the rest of the lego team do in the um in the uk mm. and that's another person just that you can kind of bounce off because you don't have that same in the office buzz environment yeah. so yeah i love that and uh, hearing like you have a sibling in sales because like the my sister who's like six years my senior um she's always worked for local authority and it's only in the last like i've been pining on about tech and SaaS sales for to my sister for years saying how freaking cool it is like <laughs> yeah. you should go, like she works for local government she worked for local government and she'd always say oh, no i could never do sales and it was this year where she came to me and said no i'm applying for a sales job i was like yeah Yes. And in the last few weeks, we're able to talk about stuff like when we're talking about contracts, we're talking about commissions and all of that. I was like, welcome to my world, sis. I love that. You can have fun. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the conversations of bouncing. And when she comes to me with her first deals and stuff, like I can't wait. But I absolutely love that. Keeping it in the family. Yeah. Um, but Lucy, it's been an absolute privilege and honor to have you on the show. And, you know, as we're coming towards the end, the, the, the pertinent question I love to ask all of my guests is, if you could give three bits of advice to a younger version of yourself, you know, who's just come out 
of you know university and going into this adulting abyss yeah what three bits of advice would you give to that lucy um i think the first one would be just to stop cringing at yourself um which sounds quite like self-deprecating no, right. but it's got yeah. some it's got some weight to it um because obviously I, I thought about like i thought about this often and i think there's so many times where that little voice in the back of my head that says, oh, no, don't do that. What if you mm. bump into somebody in the pub and they say, oh, I saw you do that dodgy LinkedIn post or that remake of the Friends post or oh, so cringy. And like that, like building a bit of a brand on LinkedIn is something that's opened so many doors for me. Mm. And it then as also like stop cringing at, at myself would be things like even stop thinking oh I can't listen to my voice in a cold call I can't listen back to myself in a discovery or anything like that because mm. that's where you're going to grow that's where you're going to develop um yeah. and I used to I remember one saying to one of my managers like oh god I don't want to listen back to my screechy mank accent like I just want to crack on and get on with the next one yeah. but there's so much value in listening back to those conversations so yeah number one would just be like stop cringing at yourself because those self limiting beliefs so what's gonna stop you from basically getting Growing. all these opportunities yeah. and learning Definitely. um i think number two would be about linkedin and um god i don't even know if nick gandhi will ever listen to this call but um my colleague nick gandhi when i worked in recruitment i can literally remember being sat next to him and he just said i remember doing this linkedin pose and thinking god this is just silly i think i was like posting for like international pancake day or something and i was like this is just embarrassing mm. and he was like linkedin is a slow burn but you'll get the rewards mm. and i remember thinking like but how slow is slow like <laughs> how slow is it gonna be um mm. but it is something that i've made a real effort with like it is something that like is something that I've thought it's a conscious thought and it's now become habitual to want to one grow my network one speak to people but then also mm. to post as well it's just become part of my life now but because of that I've now got opportunities which might not have been offered to me otherwise so I think those two are kind of quite similar but yeah one's more about self-limiting beliefs one's that LinkedIn's a slow burn but keep at it um, um and I think the third one is like just I, I am i allowed to swear on this um because i think third one is like just don't let the bastards get you down like there's so many people when you're cold calling when you're getting unsubscribe emails like that you just like you could think this is this is not worth it but uh. there's the actual number of times that that happens is so minimal and mm. most of the time people forget I've had people that I've like have been a, like a bit awkward with me on the phone or a bit funny and I've thought oh god that's the worst thing that's happened to me like that's so embarrassing or like I'm never speaking to them again three weeks later I've called them back and booked a meeting like mm. it's it's absolutely crazy how it works but yeah just just don't let the bastards get you down keep going how are you um, yeah you'll win so yeah, that love three pieces of advice. <laughs> I love it. So obviously, don't cringe at yourself. We all do cringy things. You just <laughs> won't roll with it, and that's where you're going to learn. Um, obviously, like with LinkedIn, like don't be afraid to post. Like I've sat there many a time thinking, like, should I write this? Start deleting it. Actually, start rewriting it. And uh, don't overthink it. Just like go for it, and you know, rewards and the return will come over time as long as you're consistent with it. 
And hell yeah, like don't let the bastards get you down. <laughs> like anytime something goes bad in my day, I try not to take it personally. And I ask myself the question, I wonder what happened in their day to make them like that. Yeah. I hope they're all right. Yeah. And to your point, you know, a couple of weeks later, it could be because of a situation that they were dealing with at that moment in time and they took it out on you. So don't take it personally. So great bits of advice, Lucy. And um, are there any shout outs that you'd like to give out on today's show? Um, I guess, I guess Neil, you know this, but I'll definitely shout out my boyfriend for being ready with a headset, with some earphones with headset, and headset yeah. when shout I Shout out to the boy. <laughs> so yeah, so he'll get a shout out. Um, but then also like, I guess to um, Rich, Mark and Stu, um, to my brother um, and yeah, anybody that's helped me on my sales journey, because I guess I would be speaking to yourself today if it wasn't for them. So yeah, thank you so much. And thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining on the show and sharing your inspiring story. And in terms of thanks to our listeners and watchers and subscribers, thank you for joining on today on Lucy's show. Uh, just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this in your local podcast platform, please give us a rating and you can leave a voice note in the podcast show notes. And if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, please make sure you like, comment and subscribe down below. And also, if you've got any questions for Lucy, by put them in the comment section. Let us know what you think about Lucy's journey. Would you do anything differently? What did you like about this? Let us know. Uh, and obviously, with Lucy's LinkedIn URL, we'll be putting that in the show notes. So if you want to connect and reach out and pick uh, Lucy's brain on any aspect of today's show, please feel free to do so. Uh, but Lucy, again, as mentioned, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. And we'd love to maybe have you back on one day in the future. But I wish you a great week. And most importantly, happy selling. Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR or ADR and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io and we'd love to have you on board.